Welcome. So, I hope that y'all's discussion groups went well. I'm going to give a quick overview of the chapters, and then we can jump into it. Chapter 9, Fasting. Donald Whitney defines fasting as the believer's voluntary abstinence from food or spiritual purposes. Uh, he accepts that you can fast from other things and receive spiritual benefit, but he says that the biblical term strictly defined is fasting from food itself. Uh, if you've if you have been here during any of our discussion weeks, the thing I'm about to say should not surprise you. Fasting is expected. <laughs> right? Matthew six sixteen through seventeen, uh, Jesus talks about when you fast. It's as if he's saying you're going to fast. Amen. The the other times he talks about it, he talks about they're like the Pharisees and the disciples of John are like, hey, yo, why aren't your disciples fasting? Like, our disciples fast. Or, do you think you're better than us? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, because the bridegroom's still here. So they will, emphasis on will, they will fast after the bridegroom leaves. When he says that there are ten categories for fasting, to strengthen faith, to seek God's guidance, to express grief, to seek deliverance or protection to express repentance in the return to God to humble oneself before God to express concern for the work of God to minister the needs to minister to the needs of others to overcome temptation and to express love and worship of God all those are the purposes of fasting if you try and fast by yourself with no purpose you're just going to basically run into a wall proverbially and just think about food all day and that does you no good Chapter 10, Silence and Solitude. The discipline of silence is the voluntary and temporary abstinence from speaking so that spiritual goals might be sought. Solitude is the voluntary and temporary withdrawal to privacy for spiritual purposes. Those two often coincide. Um, reasons for silence and solitude. To follow Jesus' example, he talks about Jesus going away to look for silence and to look for solitude in Matthew 4, 1, Matthew 14, 23, Matthew 1, 35, and Luke 4, 14, to name a few. It helps to minimize distractions in prayer to help clear your mind. It is obvious the more noise and things that we have around us, it is for very, especially nowadays, and for me, I, I throw myself out there. Uh, if there is anything going on, like entertainment-wise, music-wise, book-wise, like I always seem to have something listening or sounding or something and so it's good to just almost cleanse yourself from the noise and concentrate on something not yourself not you know just to have something to go on um it's used to express worship to god habakkuk 2:20 says but the lord is in his holy temple let all the earth keep silent before him it's obviously they there's other scriptures that say that everyone's going to be singing holy, 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 but there's also going to be a, probably a time where we're just so in awe of him that we're just like, wow, there's nothing that we can say that even comes close to the magnitude of God. Last chapter, chapter 11, and this is where I think that, and I'm sure we've talked about this in our group, but it's much less this is a biblical mandate and this is maybe a good idea. So, Winnie talks about journaling as a place in which a person records information important to him or her 
personally for preservation or consideration. Journaling can be a place where you pour out your heart before God. Something sometimes we can write out things in ways that we can't say it. It's you know like sometimes it's convoluted in our brains, and it's great to write it down and get it on paper. Uh, it's good for you know keeping yourself accountable for writing down goals for you know keeping a record of what God's done for you, that kind of thing. There's self-evaluation. You can better understand where you've been and hopefully where you're going if you can track your goals and what is going on. Help us to remember what God has done for us and and to pass down to posterity. So those are the highlights that I thought were important in the book. What did you all come up with? <laughs> chapter 11. Not chapter 11. Oh, goodness. Chapter 9. <laughs> fasting. Julia. Okay, one thing that we talked about is um, the idea that um, fasting gives you like a better ground to stand on when talking to God and when expressing repentance. Mm-hmm. I think I never really thought of it this way, but I think it's like just a good way to show um, just how serious you are, and it's like mm-hmm. the idea of like sacrificing something that you really love for the Lord. Sure. B. Um, but <laughs> fasting shouldn't be used as like a okay, I sinned, I'm gonna fast, and then that will clear my sin. Yeah. Like not yes. as a worse thing. Hmm. Correct. Did you have? Yeah, I was gonna say we talked a lot about like um, a lot of the times we do like or I wouldn't say we as Christians, but you hear a lot about like food strikes and things. Usually is considered a very like boisterous thing, you know. It's like, hey, like I'm making a statement. You need to know about the statement that I'm making. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it talks about biblical fasting, it talks very clearly about uh, staying very humble, and it's uh, it's mm-hmm. between yourself and God. This is not uh, a thing to be to be sharing and to be proving a point with. Yeah. Um, one thing I think Donovan mentioned this, but um, you know, it says like not to look gloomy, like you know, don't. Yeah. Don't like self pity when you've chosen to do this yourself and make it, even though you're not telling people. Like, don't, you know, I don't know, just like don't yeah. make it obvious that you're. You've received a reward if right. you do that. Um, and then, one thing that I also thought was interesting was that it was mentioned more than baptism, which I never like realized mm-hmm. in scripture that it was actually truly talked about that much, which is a lot. Um, and, and kind of like this goes along with the solitude chapter as well, but just having the purpose for it because, you know, whether you are fasting, whether you are, you know, withdrawing into solitude, if you're not doing those things for a spiritual purpose, you're just going without food. You're just being mm-hmm. by yourself. You're, like, there is no benefit to it, which mm-hmm. I know you kind of already mentioned, but um, actually have a goal with it and not, like, don't just do it to do it because there's mm-hmm. no reason or benefit. For sure. Dan? Uh, yeah, I was just This was an alien thing for me growing up. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something I really thought about. It wasn't something I even really considered. Like, I thought it was just sort of like a Jewish or like weird thing that was like legalistic. <laughs> and it was like, huh, that's weird to go without food. So I'm just, I'm just curious, because in our group we had a diversity of people, um, not majority, but how many people here actually 
were introduced to fasting and the idea of fasting in a positive way, or at least when they were really young. (laughs) (laughs) I never did it, but other people talk about it. Okay, how many people was it a regular thing in your life at one point growing up? It goes on like what Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. So, yeah. so like getting to our group, a lot of the time when we were talking about fasting, we were talking about like the different experiences that we had mm-hmm. growing up and like what that looked like, but something that we landed on <coughs> as a whole was that on page 214, he, meaning author, says that just remember that your fast is a privilege, not an obligation. And then a little yeah. bit, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, earlier, a couple paragraphs before that, it says, it's a way of demonstrating to yourself that you love God more than food, that seeking Him is more important to you than eating, that your stomach is not the key. Yes. So I was, I know this has already been kind of voiced, but I talked about this, we talked about this in our group, but mm-hmm. just me specifically, I, I don't think I ever really knew that it was something I was expected from mm-hmm. a Christian, that I should do it, as opposed to suggestions. Right. Like, oh, like, there's some benefits to it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's benefits to spending more time in your life. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, but, like, I know, like, it's obviously a command to read your Bible. It's obviously yeah. a command to pray. But I never was taught there was a command for fasting. Yeah. That was like kind of yeah. yeah, you can if you want to. Yeah. Um, one thing I mentioned in our group was he, well, we mentioned that he presents this idea like very nicely. And then at the end, or near the end, he goes, confess and repent for your fear of fasting. I had never um, considered that as something that I needed to confess. Oh, I just thought this was something that, like, you could do if it's beneficial, but if you don't, it's not a big deal. But, like, no, this is something that, like, I need to confess for it's like, not rely on God for, like, mm-hmm. providing, like, allowing me to do this. And so that was kind of, like, jarring to me. Um, yeah. was more of like a you're 
You're doing it, yeah, it's education related. Yeah, it was, it was this taboo topic that was like, like, is it, if you're doing it, it's because you did something wrong. Size. Yeah. Over dramatic so, size. This chapter was good to be like, it was like, no, I can use this for when I'm worried about something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lindsay? Um, I like, um, I'm like a, I like that every chapter ends with like practical application of like ways yeah. to start doing it. And so the biggest one I liked um, was like, you don't have to jump full in of like, okay, I'm going to go an entire week. But like, he talked about specifically like one specific meal time, one day a week, every week, like, mm-hmm. like one time Wednesday. And like using that time for focusing on discipleship or other other specific work that you would not have time for otherwise if you were focusing on that meal. So I like that as like a small Yeah, for sure. Start. B. Brings it to the common almost. Um, this is kind of going off of what Lindsay said. We talked about this in our group, but I think he did a good job of explaining like different types of fasts and that it can be private, it can be congregational, um, and that you know you don't always have to do the same thing. But essentially, you know, he was saying like no one has an excuse because you can modify it somehow to fit you to still have a spiritual benefit from it, which I think was really important. So like, you know, for me, I can have some pretty harsh like physical issues if I go you know a whole day without eating but like we talked about Pastor Jim's family like when his girls were little um that you know for a week like all they had for dinner was like you know a small portion of rice and beans or you know something like that that is like out of your ordinary that you can even do as a family with your kids to like introduce them to that concept and so I thought that was a valuable and that's kind of like what we would do during days of prayer with the Santos like we didn't go the full day without eating at all but it was like what you got was very small and it was representative of something that you were going to pray for. And so um, I think he did a nice job of explaining like, okay, there's different ways that you can do this to still do this. Like, don't use anything as an excuse to just get out of it, yeah. And then we're switching. Yeah, this is really from you, so if you want to talk about it, that's fine. Um, He's obviously not going to talk about it because, not you, the other person about to talk about it, Um, because you don't talk about That's crazy, right? He went a month before getting married because he wanted to make sure, like both of them did. Yeah. She fasted completely, and he just did a juice fast where he only drank juice because he was working with his teaching at the time. Lavarius. Forty days to ensure that they were the right person. <laughs> I was like, if you didn't know by then. Just, <laughs> just wait till you hear how they found their house. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just, I'm just like, on the on the short side, it's like starting with a meal, but. He's not doing it to broadcast it. I mean, I would have never known about it. Yeah. But. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's. But also on the other end of the spectrum, it's like you can grow really advanced in this discipline. Mm-hmm. See a lot of benefit from it if that's. Uh, if you want to be Jesus in the wilderness. <laughs> yep. Okay. Silence and solitude.
Good job. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we did it for Thursday. We, we did it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we got it. <laughs> What's our, what are y'all's thoughts? Um, so a few things. Um, one, we really liked the short story about the, like, the Russian guy and, mm-hmm. um, the, I don't know. It was just, it was so interesting, like, that I think we all somewhat resonated with that, that obviously 15 years would be crazy, but just that there is still that desire that, like, it sounds nice to just get away and, like, actually have time to be in solitude with the Lord, and that our busy lives just don't allow for a lot of that, and that's, that's our fault. I mean, we allow ourselves to get that busy, but um, that it was a good reminder that even, you know, him seeing that, it's like no money, no, like, no nothing was able to compare to the joy that he had found from getting to know the Lord during that time, which was cool. Um, and one thing that Lindsay and I both, like, related to was at different times, we hadn't talked about it until now, but we both, like, took a drive in silence in the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and it was by accident because our radio or, like, my Spotify didn't work, and we just happened to be like, oh, I guess I'm just not listening to anything right now, but we both agreed that it was, like, such a nice change and mm-hmm. I'm All definitely doing that more regularly yeah because I just took that time to like talk out loud and pray and mm-hmm. so I guess I wasn't practicing true silence but you know different story um but you know that was like I don't know so just as a encouragement to other people we both enjoyed doing that um and and then we, we kind of talked about and you can elaborate more on this if you want like that the examples that they gave of Jesus that it really it didn't talk a lot about silence. Like, it was really more mm-hmm. aimed at solitude, but that, so we kind of hashed out a little bit of what the discipline of silence really means, because it wasn't saying that Jesus was just completely silent. He was yeah. in solitude, but, you know, more so that sometimes the, the discipline of silence might just be to abstain from talking about a topic that is making you sin while you talk about it or something that you are talking about too much or that is making other people upset or you know it can be more of a vow of silence for the purpose of humility and godliness that could be a more beneficial um i just for you know nerd out on this stuff but um it's important to set up the categories that biblical meditation of zion and solitude is different than eastern meditation silent solitude right this christian silence and solitude is not the practice of emptying oneself to be completely blank-minded and enter this nirvana-like state of nothingness. It is the idea of being silent so that you can fill yourself and meditate upon things. So it's not the blank-minded karate-type approach. We're going to meditate and mull over this principle about God or uh, some passage and really fill ourselves with that. So I think it's like Santos, right? I love the Santos, but that was one thing that I ended up disagreeing with as a little bit harmful to me is like I'm gonna go out to the field I'm just gonna listen for the voice of God and that was um, I don't necessarily think uh, in line with what scripture would have on that Julian? Um, so on page 233 it says right before the last paragraph closing our mouths can sometimes help us open our minds to see things God's way so one thing we talked about was how silence can help us think more, understand more, meditate more, but also just how hard it is nowadays to find like true, complete silence because of our phones. And yeah. you know, 
you talked about having our families, you know, just walking in your room and you're trying to be silent, having trying to have full conversations, and you're like, ah, and just how hard it is to find a place where you are able to achieve that. Um, I also have a question, and please help me with this. We were talking about this and struggling in our group. They have a chapter for meditation in this, and they have a separate chapter for um, silence and solitude. What is the difference between the two? Like, how, like, would you say they're two separate um, disciplines, or would you say that they're, like, combined? Did you have something, B? It's more like just quiet around you, not having things, maybe. And That's in our group, Esther had some. Do you mind sharing like, who talked about the difference? Yeah, I said that um, the difference between silence and solitude would be with solitude, you absolutely separate yourself from you to be with God. Like a physical example would be a prayer room. Mm-hmm. Probably, there's overlap, yeah. I'm sure. So all of them are like in one bubble, but there's a reason why they're three different words. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Because I think we like, we had talked about this, I think, at the, beginning, the first few chapters of the book, but like your prayer, Bible reading, all that stuff, like his kind of theme through all of that was like, you're doing this to meditate on things that are of God. And so... So I think, yeah, it's probably a mixture. Yeah. Something that uh, someone was mentioning was the fact that, like, Bible reading could happen, like, if you're in the living room and other people are in the same room, mm-hmm. rather than, like, solitude. Yeah. Like, By yourself, yeah. 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 Fadila. with a group of people and they're like, okay, you know what, let's meditate on this. 
So how I see is like okay, meditation is like you already have something uh, that you can focus on, and you start dissecting and pondering and chewing more on it. Say it's like a verse, and you meditate on it. Whereas solitude, I think, is like you said, just disconnecting yourself with everything that's a distraction, so that there can be there's no like <clears throat> division between you and God. It's just you like filling yourself in with something. example of that it's the it was during the time when I was still Pentecostal and I was we had been having very adamant debates at like stack pickle and and yeah stack pickle was the fire um and steak and shake and all that and I was just like there had been many things that had went on and I was just like is that actually am I helping by saying things and then I got wrecked theologically, and so then I was just like, I don't even know what I believe. And so I was just like, you know, I'm just not going to, like, tonight when I go, I'm not going to say a single thing. I'm just going to sit there and listen. And I drove Randy crazy because he was like, so what's your thoughts? Because he was sitting, like, right next to me, and I was like, I cannot tell you. And he's like, what? 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 <laughs> and it's like, I, because I explained, and he's like, okay, well, I want to know later. And so... The so it's just for me it was very useful in being like showing humility and like the like I don't know everything and maybe I should shut up sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, that was that's how I've used it personally for me. Last but some may say least, journaling. <laughs> some may not. Thoughts, concerns, disagreements, whatever. Throw it out there. Is it a spiritual discipline? Boom. Define spiritual <laughs> discipline. Define spiritual discipline. <laughs> discipline that's helped spiritually. Yes. yes. But <laughs> is it. Is it a, is it a no. biblical yeah. mandate, though? No. Not a biblical mandate. But yeah. it's a difficult one, but it's a spiritual discipline to have. Yes. It depends on how you define spiritual discipline. Yeah. The purpose of spiritual disciplines is for godliness. 
So technically anything that is a discipline that helps with godliness and spirituality would technically be your spiritual discipline, right? He takes a more restrictive <coughs> definition in chapter one where he really tries to root them in scripture. Yeah. So I think as we go later in the book he's a little bit more liberal. <laughs> I didn't know that. Really he he yeah. quoted he quoted like one verse. It was in and Psalms. It was, well, he quoted one in Romans too, oh. and it was just really loosely associated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but again, I'm like, I don't think that's his, his point. Like, I don't think he's. I think he actually claims it's like this is a good idea, but this is not necessarily a big like scriptural thing. I don't think he's trying to. Yeah, make he doesn't that claim case, to say it's. it's just yeah, he does not yeah, say. No, yeah, he doesn't sure. say journaling is expected, like, like he has in even all of the other. Very habit of journaling. If you think about the Gospels, most likely one of the disciples was journaling consistently about the events. Probably. If you look at all of the entire book of Psalms, the majority of it is David's own personal journalings. Well, I was going to say, from a historical standpoint, we have had a lot of wonderful journals from many Christian uh, theologians as well as people that have just out of that got these wonderful biographies of mm-hmm. Christian people and how God has lived yeah. in their lives. Yeah, that's one thing I was just like like to pass down to your posterity is like or to those coming after you to help lift them up. Yeah. Uh, I was just saying in our group that like as a record of spiritual milestones and things I've learned, things I'm working on, etc. Um, it would have been handy if I had been doing that. I just realized on the way here, I was like, oh, like, spiritual problem. I, I, I solved that like five years ago. <laughs> but I forgot about it. <laughs> I yeah. forgot about that solution. <laughs> so if I had it down somewhere where I fully fleshed out like how I went about solving this problem and what God showed me, then that kind of journaling could have been super handy. Yeah. I feel like that's happened multiple times too. I was like, I already solved that. <laughs> I have been on this road. <laughs> Um, I know for me personally, like it's it's helpful. Like I have journals like throughout college with just my crying prayer requests down, and then you can flip back through and see like when they were answered. And like Emily did uh, last November, when she pulled out like old uh, prayer cards and then had people take them to see like, hey, these were your prayer requests like six months ago. Like see how it was answered. Forget about Bring it. it. It's like what's the point of writing it down? Yes. Yes. Okay. Like, I, if you're not using it as a way to help work out your thoughts to be cleaner and sort of yeah. systematically diagnose them in your brain, categorize them. But then in that way, you're going to forget. Uh, no, not sort of read them back, but at least you're you're filing yeah. it. Yeah. You're retaining it. I understand. Yeah. But even just like your yeah, like your prayer requests and stuff, like you're not going to know that it was answered. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
So one thing we talked about is going to be on page 252 and then on 254. So the simple discipline of recording significant events in my life and noting my reactions to them thus caused me to examine myself in light of scripture much more truly than I would without such pause. And then 254. The journal can be a mirror in which we see more clearly our attitudes, thoughts, words, actions. We just talked about journaling to help you self-examine. And one thing that's really helpful. So I like writing down my prayers just because I'm a bit chaotic when it comes to like my thoughts. So it just really helps me organize myself. But um, one thing that I really noticed in doing that is sometimes as I'm praying and writing things down and reading them, let's say, you know, a situation happened and I'm praying about that situation and I was in the wrong. I can like see as I'm writing them down, like what the heck were you doing? Why did you do this? And it becomes just so obvious mm -hmm. because I'm writing them down. So I don't know, that's just something that I've noticed. Danny, did you have anything to is a short snippet, uh, Francis Bacon, writing makes an exact man, which I then went on my own Jordan Peterson rabbit trail, where it was like, I just remembered all the times, it's this major theme of Jordan Peterson, that a good man, a good leader is able to systematically articulate his thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so somebody who is a strong leader is going to be good at writing. It's the same as being good at thinking, because if you, not necessarily the vocabulary sense, but if you don't know how to sit down and say, okay, I've been having all these chaotic thoughts, or I have all these ideas of how I can lead this, and then you're able to flesh it out, then how would you ever hope to lead people to follow you because you're not able to think in that systematic way? And Debbie brought up some great points. Not only do you not necessarily want to follow somebody who is just all over the place, mm -hmm. you can't follow someone who's all over the place because you don't know where they're going. And so I think if you want to be a leader, and I know this isn't the leadership one, you have to get to a place where you can at least express yourself well. Um, one thing that we talked about was essentially, even if it's not through manually writing down, like a good, I think, habit to get into is essentially spiritually debriefing. And this is something that they have like harped on a lot in, they did in nursing school and even in my job now, like if you have, I mean, whether your day goes well or not, um, but still thinking about like at the end of the day or at the end of your shift, you know, like think of one thing that you did well or that went well. Think of one thing that didn't go as well or that you need to improve in, and just kind of like have that dedicated time to just even if it's just for a couple minutes, just to kind of process through what happened and think about a good and a bad, and just to give you like something to work on the next day, something that you can try and improve on like the next time that you're in that situation. Um, and so even if it's just like, I understand that's not really journaling, but just, you know, kind of the process of like self-examination, those kinds of things, mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have to be a journaler. Like if that's just really not you at all, at least try and get into the habit of just mentally debriefing spiritually of the things that you are doing well in throughout the day, the things that you're not doing well in and where to improve. And then it just kind of like, it's easier to think back on if you take like two minutes to dedicate some thought to it. Last one. My job also requires me to do a daily journal because every weekend, 
sorry. My my day my internship is also requires me to do a daily journal because my line of work is intensive and that whole medical healthcare is just rough. Um, but what I was going to say is on two fifty seven, we tend to feel most deeply about what we think most deeply about, and I find that true in my life. Um, and in other people's lives that I have heard about and heard from. Um, and so categorizing your thoughts, I, I brought up the verse in Philippians that talks about like be anxious for nothing, prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, da da da. Think about X, Y, Z, all these things that are lovely, pure, virtuous, righteous, whatever. Um, and so having journaling as a way to, let me see what he says, to help us uh, feel and think more deeply about the things of God, I thought was was really valuable yeah. for us sure. to help control emotions. Yeah. Good job this week, guys. Next week, 12 and 13, to finish out the book. So I'll send the post out so everyone knows, but... Just to reiterate it. exalted among all the peoples over all the earth God and as we debate and study and work out how to work out our salvation and to love you and to glorify you more in our lives God I just ask that we would do it in such a way that we are coming to you in desperation of feasting upon you in our hearts, Lord. And so tonight as we work through spiritual disciplines or tomorrow as we go into service and you know we go through our typical liturgy, God, I just pray that we would be overcome with awe of you and devotion to you that springs forth in a necessary expression in any of the ones that we've covered so far, God. And so as we have our call to worship here and we just look over one of the songs for tomorrow, I pray that we would worship you for being such a great God who is so loving and tender to us in Christ's name. Amen. Tomorrow, my chair won't be turned, but tomorrow we will be in, uh, I think this one will be after the service, uh, He Will Hold Me Fast is one of the songs that we will be listening to and singing tomorrow and so I'm going to read the lyrics I'm not going to break them out like we did last time um, hopefully it's a familiar song to you when I fear my faith will fail Christ will hold me fast when the tempter would prevail he will hold me fast I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path 
for my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. Those he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast. Precious in his holy sight. He will hold me fast. He will not let my soul be lost. His promises shall last. Bought by him at such a cost. He will hold me fast. For my life he bled and died. Christ will hold me fast. Justice has been satisfied. He will hold me fast. Raised with him to endless life, he will hold me fast. Till our faith is turned to sight, when he comes at last, he will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so, he will hold me fast. Um, So hopefully tonight's will be brief. And the reason that I hope it will be brief is the extreme potency of the topic on the heart, right? It, there's not a ton that needs to be said here. There's a lot that could be said, but not a ton needs to be said. And so I want to address it very quickly in two ways, theologically first, and then emotionally second. So first, theologically, the ground of this Christian assurance in Christ is to be found in God choosing to set his love upon us and to provide a new heart to us. If the Father predestines you to eternal life with his Son, nothing is going to stop that from being accomplished. If the Son has paid for your sins on the tree, nothing will undo the payment that was bled for you. And if the Spirit has applied this redemption to you, then nothing will cause you to return to those unredeemed ways. Our assurance is grounded in this Trinitarian affair. What the Father has purposed and the Son has accomplished, the Spirit has applied in a permanent fashion in the life of a Christian. This does not mean, however, that the foreordaining love of God precludes human responsibility and human effort. We must actively seek to avoid damningly heretical beliefs or practices that cut so firmly against what it means to be a Christian that it would be tantamount to apostasy. Of course, there is something to human effort in this. In other words, remaining Christian is not merely a passive effort. It is not a Jesus-take-the-wheel approach to sanctification. It is hard work at times, and yet God ensures that the Christian will persevere in his faith. Perhaps it could be, as Sproul refers to it, re- referred to as the preservation of the saints from the divine perspective and as perseverance of the saints from the human perspective. God is going to preserve us, and yet we must also work to persevere. But emotionally is where the, the song hits hardest. The song does an apt job, I think, of describing this fear that we have of failing in this faith of ours and the disgust that we feel with ourselves when our love for Christ does not burn either as hotly as it once did or as hotly as we know it should. Uh, This is, I'm probably letting these topics bleed over in my mind, but as I'm writing for what it means to be a true elder, a true pastor, to truly preach and to teach in preparation for our next series, I, I can't help but think of the pastor's Hillsong um, 
uh, Sam Harris and Ravi Zacharias and all of these people who leave the faith and that can I remember when those things were coming out fresh I remember people coming to me and saying this is very scary right like how how could I I mean if they could leave the faith then what about me I mean I'm not better than them and I didn't include it here but John Piper's response was amazing. If it were up to me, basically, I would commit apostasy this afternoon. But praise be to God that we aren't depending on ourselves for this uh, preservation. So perhaps I speak for myself only, but when good pressures in life keep amounting and pressing in on you, you might feel like you're getting to that point where you're going to break, where you're going to snap, and you have... You see two paths, right? You're, you're either going to break and snap in a very healthy upward direction and you're just going to get really serious about things or you feel like I'm going to break and I'm going to snap and it's going to go really downhill really fast and I'm not sure where I'm going. You may think about what it would be like to just, if I could just leave it all behind and start fresh, but so start fresh that it even left my faith behind and you become this very different person, it almost feels like there's this bit where it's like giving into the dark side, if you will. And you're scared of yourself because you have seen the utter blackness of a soul bent on evil in yourself. Like you know, even though you've been redeemed, like that, what that would look like, right? For you to give in to all those evil passions and, and you know that that could be you. And that's, if you've never had those moments of dark introspection, then perhaps you're just not as dark as me, but, um, but perhaps you've never introspected at all to, to know yourself that well that you could be that bad. When you consider the miseries of humanity and, and the, the plights of what we do to one another, certainly you don't think that you wouldn't do those same things given the right circumstance. In, according to your natural self, right? And that's, that's what's so wonderful about being in crisis. You aren't just your natural self anymore, but when you think about who you are naturally, that's a very frightful thing, at least it is for me. And it's even scarier when you feel done trying to hold that darkness off anymore. And when you get to a point of like, I, I just don't care, is perhaps the scariest spot of all. So where's the call to worship here in my you know negative two minutes that I have? Uh, your salvation does not finally depend on you who is inconsistent, but on Christ who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If it were up to you, you would likely be apostate within the next week. Your striving may be the means that God accomplishes your perseverance through, but at the end of the day, God is the one who is keeping hold of you. You are not the one keeping hold of God. Though you do hold on to God, it's like you're being held around the thing you're already holding onto. So tomorrow, worship God theologically when you hear this song. It is a majestic doctrine to think that this God who is powerful enough and sovereign enough is not just sovereign, right? Sovereign means in control, but he is also providential. And providential means sovereign for your good, right? That is something in the theological, intellectual sense that we can assent to and, and praise God that he is keeping us faithful. But on the emotional and the personal front, we can worship God in this sense, knowing that it is, it is a wonderful thing to know that when you can feel that palpable sense of darkness trying to grasp on 
to you and onto that bitter dark night of the soul that not only has the light got a hold of you already, but the light has filled you and promised to never leave you, right? The Spirit has filled you, and that means you're already brimming full of something, and you don't have to be worried about being filled with something else. And all of this is because He loves you so dearly, right? It's, it's not because of anything else he promises to never leave you because he loves you and so i i (laughs) i thought it ate me so i'm doing this right but i'm gonna i'm gonna close with the benediction from jude um but the part that you normally focus on is verses 24 and 25 and that's wonderful um but that whole theme sort of starts back in verses 17 through 23 this is the human responsibility here But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ when they said to you, In the last times there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh, right? Like you guys are probably going to be aware of somebody that you know who is struggling, right? And falling away. They're in that pattern of like, I'm looking, the trend is not looking up for their Christian life. And you can be the one to help pull them back into the fold by God's grace. And then on the divine preservation side, and this is why he is worthy of such praise and such adoration and one of the many reasons why we will show up to church Sunday after Sunday. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Um, I will not be here next week, so the show must go on without me, uh, which I think is easy for it to go on without me, which is exactly where we want to be, right? It is a good spot for things not to depend on one person to happen, and I think that is only possible by the effort that you guys have put in to show up prepared every single week, right? That doesn't happen without putting in the work. You know, I stopped, I stopped the call to worship, okay? You can stop the timer, man. Um, still talking, I am. Um, I'm just talking. Some filibuster in here. Um, so this is the last week that we'll be discussing. I think maybe this is just my perception. I think tonight flowed a lot smoother um, with our adaptations. And I think we only had three chapters. Next week we'll only have two. That's fantastic. Okay, wonderful. Um, the small group, the focus group for Preaching Preachers will uh, get that nailed down. I will get, Nathan will get whatever, a PDF sent out. We'll prepare for that. And um, when we go into those focus groups in the coming weeks, uh, people will be placed in those groups to help lead. And so as you're reading this book, if you're in the focus group, I don't want you to just think in the same sense of like, oh, I'm just you know going to come to the large group, and if I discuss, I discuss. If I don't, I don't. The idea here is that if you're going to be 
studying this deeply, then you can lead other people in this area and take what you're learning and transfer it to them. And so perhaps it's great that we're starting with teaching because hopefully every single one of these you'll be teaching other people in, in, a, in a manner as well. And so um, I just finished writing the sermon, which is my teaching practicum, for um, uh, March 5th, I believe. And so... Yeah, I know it's First Corinthians, right? And you got to get the right timing of the service for women to speak. What would you like to say? That's a that's a Danny and a Julia question. So I will say this, right? I intend and this, <laughs> this is my introduction for next time. Um, my intention was like we're going to go through first timothy chapter three and really go through the qualifications of an elder and that's true we are doing that um but what we're going to do more is i realized if um if we're going to ask you guys to preach i have to teach you guys a little bit about what it means for how to prepare a lesson and so we're going to have some short time where it's like nitty-gritty on how to outline how to do some very fundamental things nothing complex just a quick lesson in homiletics and we'll get you on your way. Um, if you have more availability in one month than another, please let the practicum people know that because you will be assigned a certain month to teach. So please uh, inform them if you have a strong need or preference to teach at the end of March or at the end of April. Okay? Yes, we would love to put out those dates. And we will be putting out those dates very shortly. What a great idea, Administrator. Um, Okay, uh, Julia, do you have an announcement you want to make? Oh, yeah, okay. So for the girls, um, our book club is going to start meeting back again on this Wednesday. This is more like a reminder. We are reading the book On the Anvil by Max Licato, and it's going to be a very light reading, which I think is good considering we're also reading books here. Um, it's more like a poetry slash story book. Um, I've already started on it. It's really good. Most chapters are like just one or two pages. Um, it's going to be at Emily's slash B's slash Lexi's house. Um, we're going to be meeting at eight. And if you want to participate in that, because I know that there's a lot of new people, please let me know and then I will give you guys all the information that you need. If you want to do it Um, and then one more, um, we are going to be putting in the uh, ticket orders for Secret Church in the next couple of days because early bird registration is about to end. Um, so the poll closed. We have eight people um, signed up right now. So probably the, the cheapest way to do tickets is if two people, two more people want to join. Um, right now, it would be a girls' night if it weren't for Sam. Uh, Sam's the only dude, so if there's any dudes that want to do Secret Church, yeah, Chloe signed up, but Josh is not. So, you know, talk to your spouses, um, let us know. And um, so just let me know, like, probably tomorrow, if possible, if we have any, if there can be more than two people, like, that's fine, but I just, we have eight right now. They do tickets, you can do individual or in, like, increments of five. So, um, yeah, so just let me know because I will be working on that. It is on April 21st, I believe. The post is still in there. It's a Friday night from 7 p.m. to 1 a.m. Um, right now, the most likely case is that that will also be at 
Emily, B, and Lexi's apartment. <laughs> I so, love that you all I know. So it's gonna be the party pad, and <laughs> you almost need to think of a name for your place so we don't have to you say three do. names every time. It's We're called Leb. The Leb. Lexi, Emily, Bell. Bell. No, Leb is awesome. Leb. 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 If you're interested in uh, some Roman governance history, there's a government style called a triumvirate, and so that's what you guys would be as a triumvirate. Anyways, um, any other serious announcements? Josh. Either next Saturday or the following, we will have shirts ready for people to purchase. They'll be around $11. So bring your monies. What is it? What? Oh, <laughs> we're talking. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, we, um, that, we're talking the about T-shirts should be here either next Saturday or the following. We were so can I Venmo you? How? Did we no. Venmo for? <laughs> how about how about we just make it real simple? When we start preaching and preachers, we'll bring the shirts. Well, fun surprise gives you a little more time. Tells people when to bring the money. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And then maybe I'll teach in my new shirt or something. You know. I just need a collar, right? And it wouldn't okay, be complete without a collar. All right. Okay. Um, anything else? Going once. Going twice. Fadila, that would have counted an auction. All right. Don't forget your prayer cards. Don't forget your prayer cards. Chaos.